Let me take just a moment as we're coming in. I'd like to read that this morning, and then we will take some time and call us to worship. It says, Father in heaven, we come to worship you this morning. We come to sing, pray, and listen to your word. You always hear us. Help us this morning to hear you. Amen. If you'll stand with me, let's do a call to worship. You'll see it there in your bulletin. I'll read the light print if you'll join together with me in the bold print here this morning. Praise the Lord. Let the Lord's name be praised. We have gathered to praise our gracious God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Back to get maybe seated and welcome again this morning. It's good to see you and I know many of you are just getting back together as the first of the year and getting through all the, the vacation and traveling, and so we're glad to have you back. If you're here visiting with us and uh, you haven't had a chance to fill out one of the visitor cards, we would invite you to do so if you would please fill that out and when the offering plate comes by, or if you just want to lay it on one of the tables there in the foyer, we'd love to have a record of your visit. Uh, give us an opportunity to reach out and see how we can minister to you and your family uh, and how you can be a part of our church if you're here in the area. Uh, but it's also a prayer card. If you'll turn that over, it's a wonderful way to share a prayer request with us. If you have something you want us to know and to, to pray. Now, if it's more personal, you always have the right to call Nick or I or to call the office. But if it's just a general prayer request and you want to pass that card through the plate, you don't mind, well, then just turn that in and we'll uh, be faithful to pray for you uh, and your family as you need it. Uh, there are several announcements this morning that you'll see in the bulletin. I do want to reiterate that this coming Saturday is the men's breakfast, so we, it's only once a month, but we want to reiterate men, even if you don't go online and sign up, if you're new to our church, we have this uh, fancy, wonderful system of signing up for everything that you do. Uh, we don't tell you this, but we track every move you make, uh, what you're doing. Uh, no, but it, many times it helps us plan. If you sign up, we at least know you're planning to come and we can have enough. But if you don't sign up, we still want you to come. I mean, that's just a way of giving us some help, but we, we don't want you to miss. So men, please know this coming Saturday, um, and I think that Cindy Freeze, I'm going to speak out of line here a little bit. Um, I might speak for Cindy here. Cindy, can I say this? She's, she's hiding, so yeah, that's right. Nobody ever does. Nobody ever does. Um, men, we might need some of your help. I'm actually going to be leaving this week and uh, spending some time. We have graduation coming up from our, our wedding for my son coming up. And uh, so we're going to be out there. He's taken a, a new job as well. So we're not only going to be there to help him get married, but then to move him and his fiance. And so it's going to be a week for us. But while I'm gone, we're going to be doing some moving in the office. And so, um, if you know Cindy Freeze at all, if you don't show up to help her move furniture, it will all end up in the trash out at the dumpsters. I know Cindy. But they want to move some furniture and get some things put into the foyer and move some other stuff around. So, men, if you are here on Saturday and you have a few extra hands so that the, the Cindy and some helpers don't have to do it by themselves, please plan, work with Cindy, and let her know that you can help move something if it all coordinates uh, to do that. And also, Crates for Ukraine, many of you know we've done this before. We've tried to ship things throughout the war and the things that are happening. The, the, the most treacherous part of war, as you know, is all the soul wins and who gets to have control and who comes out on top. It's all the families and all the soldiers and all the children whose lives are in a mess through it. And especially trying to make it through the winters when you have no power. Trying to make it through for your family when there's no foods and medical 
So the Crates for Ukraine is back up and going again. And so if you're interested in helping be a part of that, um, please see Nancy Moriarty afterward. If you don't know Nancy, Nancy, I'm not to embarrass you, just raise your hand a little bit. She's over there. We'll point you to her, but she'd like to meet with anybody interested. It's just a, a brief meeting, and they're hoping between now and February to maybe plug in, be a part, and do some things so that we can help the many soldiers and families and those hurting from the war. So please see her if you're interested. Next week we'll have more details, but if you're interested in being a part of that. And then we do have our annual congregational meeting. I want to bring that up. We've had it in the bulletin for several weeks, and some keep asking I've, uh, about it. We are going to have our annual meeting. It's the time once a year set by our bylaws that we meet in January. We'll have the trustees bringing forth all the things that they've done. We'll have uh, a budget presentation that the elders have approved for our finance team that have put together. And, uh, but after this meeting, we will not have Sunday school. We have decided as a session that... Four times this year on the months that have five Sundays, we would like to take that Sunday and have a fellowship meal. Weeks. So we're inviting you uh, to, to just pay attention. You'll see things come out in the next few weeks about what to bring and how to bring things. But what we'll do is we'll go straight from worship to a, a quick business meeting. And then if you're wanting to stay, we're just going to go downstairs and fellowship so that everybody has a chance to meet people. I know there's a lot of new faces and we don't get a chance to do that in the pews. And so we want to invite you to stay. So that's the plan for that coming uh, Sunday, the last Sunday of this month. So, uh, but please be a part. There's so many other things. I know ministries are picking back up as we're getting through the year going. And we want you to be a part of all those. We'll try to keep you updated on the prayers and the progress of everything that's going on. Uh, but if you'll keep us informed, uh, it's always wonderful to serve. And we have many places for you to plug in. Lastly, let me say this before we spend some time in prayer is we, we hope everything will go well. Uh, I think he's done a fabulous job. The singers are up here. We've introduced our whole new sound system this past week. Tim Tasker has spent the entire week putting things together, reprogramming, redoing, hooking up things. And so our prayer is that you've noticed with our new speakers and the new sound, things that are, have been 20 years old are now being updated and ready to go. So please be patient. If you do hear something ring or something feedback, they're working on it. They're going to try to do it. And it's, it's wonderful to have all of our instruments and everybody here so that he can Let's take a moment as we do that. So please be patient this morning as we go through that process. But let's take a moment. Go to the Lord in prayer. I'll lead us to the throne of grace. And if you will join me in the Lord's prayer, you'll see it inside the red cover of the hymnal if you need that to join with us. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning, again for your blessings, that Father, as the new year starts on the calendar, Lord, let it not just be new months, new motions forward, new goals, Lord, let it just be a revitalization of your same Holy Spirit, your same work. Lord, draw us closer uh, each and every time we come to worship. Lord, I thank you for all those who've helped make it through the, the Christmas holidays and the music programs and the opportunities to serve. Lord, we look forward to the up, upcoming ministries. And Lord, for those who are looking for places to serve in the Sunday school and through worship and in our watch team. Lord, we have so many opportunities. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll place on the hearts of your children where it is that they can use their gifts. Lord, this morning we pray for the many who are hurting. Lord, we know those who have been sick and those who are recovering and those who've had surgeries. Lord, we lift up this morning Miss Evelyn Fitch and uh, her heart surgery that she had quickly 
Lord, that it went successful and that she'll be able to recover and uh, gain her strength back quickly. And we lift up evil to come back home. And so, Lord, we lift up her this morning for you as well. Lord, we lift up each of the requests that are here before you. We pray for them diligently. We know that your will is being done accordingly. Lord, just mold and make us as well here this morning, uh, that as we have prayed, that you don't just hear us, but that, Lord, we would hear you, that we would know what your will is and what it is you want for us. Lord, again, we know we've never done anything to deserve the right to even come and ask. If it weren't for your son, Jesus Christ, we too would be lost forever in our sins, but through him and through the opening of the veil and him being our mediator, we're able to come together as a body and pray together saying, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have you remained standing for our confession of faith from the Apostles' Creed, which is printed for you this time in the bulletin? Let me ask you a question, and let's all respond together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now please join me in gracious congregational prayer of con confession. Let's pray out loud together. O gracious and gentle Father, God of peace, Father of mercy and God of all comfort, we confess the sins of our heart, our inclination toward anger, jealousy, and revenge. Father, forgive the discord and bitter feelings we have with others. We have so often offended and grieved you. Father, please forgive us these sins and allow us to partake in the blessings you have promised to your children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's take a few moments right now to silently and privately confess our sins to the Lord before we receive the assurance of pardon. As we've confessed these sins publicly together and privately in our own hearts, we receive this assurance of pardon from Jeremiah 33. So I invite you to even look up and listen as you hear God's word. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. As much as we desire to come to him in sincerity and true repentance and faith, that's a gift. But ultimately, our confidence is in his will, his promise, his 
promise to forgive us our sins, all who come to Jesus in faith. So be encouraged and be at rest that it's confidence in what he's doing and what he will do for us. Now we have the opportunity to worship through giving. Let me pray. I'm going to ask those who will be helping us receive the morning's offering to come forward as I pray. God and Heavenly Father, you are the giver of all good gifts. You are wise and holy and good. Thank you for providing for all of our needs individually, Lord, as a church. And we ask now, Lord, as we give as an act of worship, cheerfully, thankfully, and by grace, that you would bless these gifts, these tithes and offerings to you. May they be used for the furthering of your kingdom. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. be seated and thank you very much and again for our music team what a blessing to have everybody up and participating and back from the, the holidays and working together uh, it's always a blessing to have everyone here turn with me if you would to Hebrews we've been working through again an opportunity to see what the sermon has for us on how to live by faith we started last week understanding what the assurance and hope of faith is. This morning I want to take you on a journey of when faith leads the way. For many of us, we're probably still living 
a lot of our life without faith actually in the front. What I mean by that is we're probably still doing a lot of things until we need help and then we call on God and exercise our faith. It's almost like we go forward and live our life and then when things happen and we need him, we're reminded, oh, by the way, God's here to help us, so let's trust him in faith that we get through this. Um, And that's not when faith leads the way. Here we have a a passage of scripture this morning beginning in uh, verse 8 of Hebrews 11 that takes us on a journey of what faith really is and how it's to be applied by giving us one good story of a person that so many are familiar with in scripture. And so this morning I'd like to take you on this journey of understanding where is faith leading us because faith is much more than convictions. Now I want to be careful how I say that. I don't want you to leave this morning and say, well, my pastor said our convictions don't matter. But we all have convictions, and convictions are important. For example, they must be doctrinally based convictions as well. Back in the fundamental controversy that took place in the early part of the 20th century, it drew a bunch of people in when we talked about what was known as the fundamentals of the faith. It was the opportunity when people had to begin to decide what were the basics of the doctrines that could make us Christian. Do you really believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Do you believe that he could do miracles? Do you believe that he would come again? There were fundamentals that began to challenge us into those that many would call the liberal tendencies of saying the Bible was a good book. It was there for us to use and to give us a guide but we weren't necessarily bound to its truths. Some of us have convictions. The question becomes this morning is, is your faith based on those convictions now leading the way? Have your convictions of the truths, the thoughts, the things that you believe, Are they actually so sincere and so true that upon the faith that you have and the person who's given those to you, God, it's changed you? In other words, how many of you could say this morning that what I believe is actually what changes my life? That's when faith becomes action. It's one thing to hold truths. It's another thing to apply those truths in the way Scripture tells us. Here we have an example about how we have a chance to respond to the call of God. Now, I'm going to give you a few words here in a moment to challenge you on the present tense of the call that's taking place here. But anytime we're called by respond, we have a chance to respond. A chance to respond in obedience, to leave the old life that we have behind, to leave all the things that we're excited about in our ways that we've had as an unbeliever, and set those things aside to begin to follow in a whole new path. If you're a Christian this morning and you've called upon the name of Jesus Christ to be saved and yet you're still living in the old ways that you've had, you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, what's changed? What's changed about me? That's what we've been talking about in faith. We've got to get to the point where this person of faith that we've become sees things differently. We said last week we begin to see the realm of the unseen. We begin to see the persons of the unseen. We begin to believe in a God that nobody else sees into a Jesus who is mediating that people don't understand, to a Holy Spirit that indwells us. The life of faith goes beyond just academic convictions and changes us. It changes us. This morning I'm asking for you 
to acknowledge if that change is real because you've exchanged the things that are comfortable in this life and the things that you are hanging on to in this life and the things that you deem important or most important in your life and exchange them for following Jesus Christ. Faith, that's when faith leads the way. Faith leads the way when you're willing to exchange everything in this world to follow the one who's leading you to the things that matter in the next world. And only those with faith will understand. So here we hit a story where all of a sudden you realize that Jesus himself, <clears throat> excuse me, made the comment back in Luke chapter 9. If you want to join with me, I'll read this real quickly because today it becomes a matter of following Jesus Christ. When faith leads the way, Jesus, when he was challenging his disciples and having them confess him and follow him and was challenging them and sending them out to do things for telling his death. The story unfolds in Luke chapter 9. Listen to what it says in verse 23. And he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, well then of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. You see, faith takes us on this journey and leads the way to where we realize everything in this life must be sacrificed in order to find the next life. It's not the things here that matter most. It's that realm of the unseen. It's the living in faith and following for what Christ has prepared for us. And so first and foremost, I want you to write this down, put it in your notes. To have a faith that leads the way must be a faith that's placed in a person. It must be placed in the right person. That person being God in the Old Testament as they longed for the Messiah today, you must have faith in Jesus Christ. Just the concept of faith that says, oh, I trust things will work out, isn't right. We must have faith in Jesus Christ to be able to follow him. And so let me ask you before I read the text this morning, that question that would haunt so many of us, not to be mean. But let me just put it before you this morning and simply say this. Have you come to the point in your faith where you would be willing to count it all loss, the things in this world, in order to be able to follow Jesus Christ? And start. If not, maybe you should sit down with the Father and start listing the things that have taken precedence in your life. A faith that leads the way must be a faith in the person Jesus Christ. Listen to what the story we get, beginning in verse 8, back to the story of Abraham as we learn more about faith. Here's what he says. It is by faith, in verse 8, that Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, 
as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she saw she was past of age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable, innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was when the act of offering up his only son. I'm going to stop right there as we focus on Abraham and remind you as we're going forth that a faith that is taking us forward and leading the way must be a faith placed in the person of Jesus Christ. But when we get the story of Abraham, listen to this. Faith is also something that we must trust in the promises of those people. That person, Jesus Christ. It's not just a whim that, hey, we, because we love Jesus, everything works out. And because we love Jesus, we're going to go to heaven. And because we love that he's all things are, are hunky-dory. That's not what it means. We still trust in something that he's given us. We don't just trust and place our faith in Jesus. We're also placing our faith in the promises that are revealed in Jesus. That's what we're trusting in. We trust that he's in heaven, we trust that he's our mediator, but we must trust in his promises. Listen to what Abraham did as he trusted in these promises. He went to a place as God was leading him. Now, you may not care about all this, but in verse 7, not being warned by God or concerning all these events, we were told up front. And then verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed. You may not care about this, but folks, kalumanos is what we have here, is the word for call from a kaleo, called out. Translated in what our writer is using is the Greek text of the Old Testament. It is this present participle in the passive tense or voice or mood, which is all of a sudden related to its verb, if you wish to say, of obeying, which is also stuck in the place of an aorist active, which means this and nothing else. But you could read this statement as saying this At the time God was calling Abraham, he obeyed. That's how the story goes. If you were to read it in its context, it's not that, hey, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called. Well, when was he called? It was at the time of the calling. When important part is the present participle here. It was the act of the indicative saying this. Hey, when God calls, are we prepared to be actively obedient? Is that the time we're ready to respond with a faith moving forward? Or is your faith more one that responds to the call 
and then takes time to think through it, make sure it works right, make sure it fits your schedule, make sure everything's going to still work out. It's not going to hinder the plans that you've made. It's not going to be something you can't trust in. And then move forward. At the time God calls, Abram obeyed. You can go back and read the story. It's an amazing story about how he believed in the promises because he knew nothing more than, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a place that I'm going to show you. The journey that scares most of us when God begins to work in our lives and takes us to a place we are so unfamiliar. Oh, I've said it many a times. I've said it to my colleagues. I've said it to the students in the classrooms. I've said it this way, and I've told you before, your faith only grows when you're challenged, and you're only challenged when you face change. Because change is what brings an environment that you're not familiar with. It makes you a stranger. It makes you trust in the environment. You don't control it. Something is happening that you don't understand, and it causes you to trust in this faith that God's given you. Jesus Christ, yes, faith is in the person, Jesus Christ, but it also must be promises that Jesus Christ has given us. We must trust when he tells us things, they're coming true. Just like Abraham did. He was taken to a foreign land, a place he didn't know. He was taken to what the Bible calls unfamiliar territory. And yet he was willing to go. It pointed to something greater. You may not realize this. There's a big debate in theology over what is known as dispensational and covenant theology. I won't take you on the whole journey this morning, but it's based on whether or not we think the actual individual physical land of Israel was the inheritance that God has always intended, or was it a land that went above and beyond that into the covenant promises that we could see beyond that into the realm in which all his children would experience. And folks, right here in the same text, it reminds us that as Abraham was taken to an unfamiliar place, his faith still allowed him to go. Do you know why? If you don't understand this, look at verse 10 and listen to what he says. When Abram went to the place that God was showing him, to the place that he had promised back in Genesis 12, 15, and 17, to what is known as the Abrahamic covenant, and he promised to give him this land that was there. Listen to these words of the writer. For he was looking forward to the city that had foundations whose designer and builder was who? He could die. Beyond the physical land, beyond the actual things he could touch, he was beginning to form and fashion already a faith in which Abraham would begin to understand the true promises, that there is more than just this land. Verse 16 tells us this way, look at this, but as it is the desire of a better country, that is a heavenly one, therefore God is not ashamed. Do you see, our goal is that we place our faith in these promises that come from God, promises that lead to something beyond this physical realm. You may be in unfamiliar territory this morning. You may be in what you feel is foreign land, whether it's a new career, a new move, a a, a new uh, transition of rights in life, a whole new child. Folks, we're experiencing one, and I haven't even seen him yet. I haven't even been a part of it yet. I think I've gained more gray hair stressed a little more, and gained a little more thought process, and I haven't even had my first grandchild yet. The passage of rights, they're the times in life in which things cause you to think and to trust is this is unfamiliar territory. But for one who has journeyed through that, it's amazing that if you've been through those times, you can look back and say, oh, I remember being there, and I remember trusting, and I remember where it was God was leading 
and what he really wanted for me. This morning, what I'm thinking you is if you're in unfamiliar territory with your faith, are you trusting that God has something greater or are you only looking at the physical? Are you only looking at the immediate blessing or do you realize it's tied to one whose foundation is the builder and architect of all things? I promise you God has more for you. Abraham begins to show us this as he's looking for something greater. He's looking for that which he knows God has built. He's looking for that city that he knows goes beyond. The Messiah, the one that would come, the one that would change the world, the one that would come through him. You see, the writer of Hebrews is looking back to the story of what happened with Abraham. But if you were to read the story of Abraham, it causes us a few challenges within our faith. Because the writer of Hebrews begins to tell us that Abraham, although he did not earn this city, did not deserve this city, did not covenant with God as he planned this city, he was simply receiving it because of God's grace. You know, throughout history, I could tell you this in the scriptures, if you've never read them yet, I encourage you to. Because the history of scripture is the history of redemption of all of God's people being blessed time and time again not because they deserve it, and not because they've earned it, but because God promised he would do it. And by faith, they claimed those promises. Have you read God's promises for you? Have you found those promises in Scripture? Have you found those places where Jesus promises that all things in him are yes? Whatever it is that you're doing, you must realize that a faith that leads the way is a faith that is placed in Jesus Christ, but is also a faith that is based on those promises. That's what you're hoping for. Imagine the, the story today with us, of so many of us who call upon God for things that we want in faith. Are they truly based on promises, or are they based on the desires of your heart? You see, we have one place in Scripture that everybody turns to that God promises to give us the desires of our heart. Pray the desires of your heart. And so the promise we claim is that anything we want in the desires of our heart, God owes us because if he's a faithful God, he gives us the desires of our heart. And what we don't realize is they're only if those desires come in line with his will. What about all the other promises that he's told you he would bring about? You see, it's amazing that even as children of God, we find the one verse that allows us to still be sinful and focus on self and put God in our mold to say, as we ought to be Christians, we ought to be receiving the things we desire, when really we ought to be receiving what? Those things according to his will. If you wanted to be honest, we could say, folks, if you deserve to get anything from God, what is it that you deserve? Yeah, let's be honest. We deserve what? Hell. Don't be afraid to say it. We deserve the judgment. We, we're the ones that are rebelling. We have a guilty conscience. We stand before him ready to be judged. Folks, if, if he was to give us the true desires of our heart, we would all be in trouble. As sinners, like sheep, we have gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. Faith is because it's leading the way because it's in Jesus Christ. It's because it's in his promises that he's made to us. Oh, as the story unfolds, you can see here as the writer begins to tell us 
That there's this new heaven and this new earth. There's a promised blessing that Abraham is looking for. Something beyond this realm. I can get through the struggles of today because I know what he's promised me is coming beyond this. Something greater is there for me. And we know more than Abraham. Think about it this way. If Abram was able to trust in God's promises and he only had a few, one of the very first characters of our scriptures, we've already seen Jesus Christ come in testimony. We've already experienced the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We have one who is the mediator in the throne room of heaven. We already have the promise of him coming again. Gosh, if Abraham could believe and trust in the promises, we of all people should be able to trust. We have much more put before us than he did. And yet sometimes we can't trust that. It's this faith that we need to able to move on. The faith to trust in all of these promises. To be clear that God is leading us. We see the challenge as it comes forth. Verses 11 and 12 remind us that Sarah herself received power to conceive. Listen to this. As she considered him faithful who had promised. Do any of you remember the story when God revealed to Abraham they were going to have a baby? Do you remember that story at all? Do you remember when he showed up and he told Abraham that he was going to have a child? Do you remember what Sarah did? She stood back and said, what a faithful, wonderful God. I trust you completely that this is going to happen. Do you remember that? She laughed. God even said to Abraham, why is Sarah what? You talk about being put on the spot. (laughs) That's not my wife. That's not her. I don't know who she is. I don't know what she's doing. No, she, if we read the story, we don't see a, a woman who has faith in each who's on who is promised. When we read the story, we have a, a man who is promised old of age, who's wrestling himself with the promise, and one who realizes that how is she going to be able to do this, and she laughs. What's the importance of this promise and putting it in trust and our faith leading the way? couple important truths. Let me give you this right here with Sarah. First of all, what do we learn about this one? The promise to Abraham did not depend on Sarah. It did not depend on her response. Isn't it amazing that of all the stories we talk about God using people, I've told a thousand times, God can use a flop. He just can't use a phony. You take the stories of Peter and Judas, and you could say the same thing. Peter, he could build his church on it. He's the biggest flop in all the New Testament. But he couldn't do a thing with Judas because he was a phony. He belonged to his father, the devil, we're told. Maybe you're this morning saying, man, you don't know how many times I've flopped. You don't know how many times I have fallen on my face, regretted the things I've said, walked over the things I didn't realize. And yet, because of grace... And the faith in which he gives you, and because God's promises are based on his faithfulness, not yours, you still receive the blessings, and it has nothing to do with your response. Talk of having a faith lead the way. Maybe here this morning you need to realize that you've responded to God in some laughish ways. Didn't trust. Well, I want to give you a bit of encouragement. Don't think God's going to move on without you because his promises to you are not based on your faithfulness. Which leads us to the second point we learn from Sarah, and that is this, that true faith may fluctuate at various times in life. 
You see, the writer of Hebrews is able to go back and tell us that Sarah is the one that counted him who is faithful in the promises. Sarah was at some point, obviously throughout history, recognized as the one who did trust in God, one who could put her faith in him, one who did have her faith in him, one who recognized those promises. But at the time in which God revealed it to her, she was at a point in her life, if you wish to say, was fluctuating. Do you see, our faith isn't always the climb of getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Sometimes we face circumstances in our life and sometimes our faith wavers. But a faith that wavers does not mean we don't belong to Christ. A faith that wavers does not mean you won't receive his promises. Oh, even the disciples, when they came back, discouraged over the things they were supposed to accomplish, simply said to Jesus in frustration, why in the world can't we do all this? You remember Jesus' response, if you only had the faith of what? A mustard seed. Later on, when they came back, the disciples cried out to him and simply said, Jesus, Master, increase our faith. Faith wavers. If you're here this morning and your faith has been wavering, don't give up. Don't call it quits. Don't go back to the old way. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about, is all these Hebrew Christians who are tempted to go back to the old way because following with faith is hard. You're following the unseen things. You're following in things that you're trusting based on promises not the things you can prove. This morning, I challenge you, don't quit. From one man, the descendants of the stars is what we are told. That he was looking forward to this. That through one man, all the blessings could still come about. All because God promised. comment was made by Williamson, one of the writers, when he simply said, it's not the amount of faith you have, but the amount of faith you have in him. Just where is your faith today? Just where is your faith? You see, every time a child comes to Jesus Christ, every time one professes faith, every time one of our covenant to be children say, I'm ready to take Every time someone says, I want to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Every time an adult says, I recognize I'm a sinner and need to be saved. Every time we cast our cares upon him, the promise to Abraham extends. One more like the stars of the sky. One more like the sands of the seashore. And the promise just keeps being fulfilled. Why do we share our faith? Why do we trust when we share Jesus Christ? Because God promised that it would be the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky that would come through one man, that would come through his heir, Jesus Christ, and would come through us as we share our faith. The promise of God is what we trust. Yes, you must have your faith in the person Jesus Christ. You must have a faith in the promises of him, but you also must have your faith in this place he has prepared. You must be looking forward to go on. Ephesians 3.20, if you want to see what it says real quickly, he's writing, Paul's writing in Ephesians 3.20, and he says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, than all we can ask or think. Able to do far more than we can ask or even think. Have you asked 
God to reveal to you the place he's prepared for you in heaven? Have you asked God to reveal to you what it is he wants you to do? Have you asked God to share with you what spiritual gift it is he's equipped you with so that you could serve him? Or let me go a step farther back. Have you even thought about it? Have you ever daydreamed about doing something that you're not doing now? Man, if I just had the opportunity to do this, this is what I'd do. If God hadn't called me to preach, man, this is what I'd be doing. If God called me into this, man, this is what I would accomplish. Isn't it amazing that Paul writes and he says, God is able to do abundantly more than you even think of what you could do for him. When we have a faith that's leading us forward in Jesus Christ, it's a faith that's based on his promises and this place that we have, even asking him, God, what is it that you have for me? John 14, 3 makes it very clear what he has for us. He has all kinds of stuff that he's gone on to prepare a place for us. He has everything that he's done for us, laid out for us to know. He simply says, let not your hearts be troubled. Father and God, believe also in me. That's the convictions, right? And then he goes beyond and he says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. They're already there. Is your faith in the place whose builder and foundation is the architect God? Or is it in your home that you help design, plan, and put together? Are your efforts more toward the future home that God's prepared and planned to put you in for eternity? Or is it more efforts for the ones you have here? He says, if it were not so, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you, and I would have not have gone to prepare a place for you. If I do go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, what? You may be also a promise, a promise that's not only in the person of Jesus Christ and in the promises that he made, but in this place that goes above and beyond all that we have here. It's in that place of that realm of the unseen that only the faith knows, that only the faith can understand, that only our faith can take us to there and change our lives to live for that. What changes have you made, we said it last week, in order to accomplish being in this place? You don't deserve it, and you can't do anything to earn it, but you can surely trust Jesus Christ and his promises and call upon him and let faith lead the way. Here in Hebrews verse eleven sixteen, it's amazing when he says, they desired a better heavenly country. And here's the response, verse 16, highlight it. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. The world's going to mock you because you want to live in a place that nobody else can see. And your friends are going to mock you because you're making decisions today that's going to be a part of why it is you're going to be living in this place that Jesus has prepared for you. And you're going to treat people differently because you know it matters that even some of them may be the ones living next to you in the places that God's prepared for you. 
Jesus even told the disciples, if they hated me, they'll what? They'll hate you. But does your faith lead the way? Not to be discouraged, not to give up, not to quit, not to back, but to stay focused on this heavenly place God has for you. That he has promised he would come back and take you to. That where he is, you could be also. Is that what you're living for? Oh, finally, we realize a quick story here. Not only is our faith that's leading us the way in the person, Jesus Christ, and his promises, shouted about this place of the future, that's foundation is God, but let me give you the last one. It's also personally tested. Your faith is personally tested by God. Not tempted. He doesn't tempt us, James tells us, but he tests us. Abraham tells us all about the testing. You could read at the very end of his whole life and understanding of faith when he was said by Abraham, verse 17, circle the word, keep it down there. He was tested, and when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. Man, I don't know about you, but to offer him up would have been an amazing feat in itself. But to understand the promises that God had already made to him. If you don't understand the story of Abraham, let me just quickly, I know for time's sake, I'll, you can go back and read it from Genesis 17 and following. You can see the promise that God gave to Abraham to give him a son and his son has been received. And now that he has a son, he takes to a place to go do an offering and it's there that his servants say to him or his son eventually even says, where's the what? sacrifice do you remember abram's faith i think this is where the writer of hebrews comes in is because he makes this comment in the story that's so important he says this we will return to you in just a moment abraham's faith was already being portrayed because he was realizing no matter what was going to happen on that mountain and even if he had to sacrifice his son god was going to be able to raise from the dead because the inheritance of this world and all of the offspring and the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore of all the christians and the people of god that would come about were going to have to come through who through isaac His faith wasn't just that, hey, I'm going to give up my son. It was that God promised me through my son, we will be back. Because God has never not answered a promise yet. I don't know where you are this morning. And just what at this point in life God is saying to you, I want to test you. God doesn't he sure allowed Job to be tested, did he not? Let's not say things aren't true, that God doesn't allow it to happen. And maybe this morning, for the first time in your life, you're realizing that things have been going so well, but maybe now's the time he's saying to me, I want to know if you're going to trust my promises. And if you're willing to do what I tell you, even if you don't see how I'll make that work. Well, Lord, if you... Tell me to stop my job. I don't understand how all this is going to play out. I mean, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to go forward? I mean, how are we going to be able to do the things we always wanted to do? How are... Well, wait a minute. I already told you I would provide for you. I care for the birds, the air, 
foxes have their places. And yet you won't trust me that when I want you to do something, I still won't provide. You've got to escape the environment that you're in. Corinthians makes it clear that bad company corrupts good morals. They're the only friends I have. If I escape these friends, I won't have any friends, Lord. I'm going to be all by myself. I won't have no one to be with. Sometimes you have to trust the promise of God more than your friends. Well, if they were thinking about the truth of it all, let me summarize it by saying this. If you're being tested in your faith about what it is you need to give up, I remember having a, a friend recently discussed in missions and doing things in which he was worried about the church that he was at because it was dying. And he felt responsible to make sure that it would be taken care of and that the members could go places, even to make as much join with other churches to do things. And we remembered setting him on his journey, and he was frustrated because we said, you know, it's not your job to determine what God does with the people that are left. Do we truly trust God with all that's taking place in our life? Do you trust him with your children when you're gone? Do you see that's the big one for us? We're probably not going to be asked to give up our child. Some of you will. Whether it's through sickness, disease, car wrecks, surgeries, you may be asked to give up that which is most important to you. But do you still not trust his promises will come true? And verse 15 makes it clear. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they had every opportunity to return. What he was saying is sometimes we feel like we just want to turn back to the old life. We want to go back to the place we know. We want to go back to the things we're familiar with. And we want to go back instead of letting faith lead the way. And they had every opportunity to do so. But when faith leads the way, it always looks forward to the person of Jesus Christ, to the promises that he's given you, to that place that he's prepared for you. And he'll personally test you along the way to assure you that you do have a God who is faithful and can be trusted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for testing us. Thank you for the opportunity to show that our thought is not to go back. Our thought is not to live the old way. That as we look back to that, we can trust even more so in what you have for us. That we can trust even more in the place that you've provided. Father, help us to look forward to that city that you have built. Forward the city that you have prepared, the new heaven, the new earth, the place where we will reside with you forever. Lord, as we're mocked and scorned and ridiculed from a world that has no faith, let us be reminded as Abraham had led. Let us be reminded as our 
patriarchs before him even had led, that we truly can trust in you. Our faith is in you, in all that you've promised. Forgive us for not trusting. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. But if you'll receive the benediction, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And God's children said, amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.